Hey everyone, this is Marcus, and you're listening to the Urban to Country Podcast. Welcome to the Urban to Country Podcast, where we talk to outdoor enthusiasts about life, hunting, and how to make every day epic. Hey friends, welcome back to the Urban to Country Podcast. This week's episode is going to be a really good one. It's with my friend Rachel Vandervoort. Rachel works in the Governor's Office of Outdoor Recreation, and she is the first director in that office. Uh, It's a new position that she pioneered, and she is making waves in the state of Montana, doing amazing things. And I am so honored that she took the time to sit down with me and have this conversation. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And without further ado, my conversation with Rachel Vandervoort. So I wanted to jump in. Technically, the governor is your boss, right? Yes. Okay. And do you work much with the lieutenant governor? Um, off and on. Off and on. Yeah. So my my first question I wanted to ask you is, you're having a legislative barbecue and beer pong starts between Mike Cooney and the governor. Who's going to win in a game of beer pong? <laughs> These are the things I think about <laughs> late at night. I love it. Um, well, did you see the picture from the Christmas party that the no. governor posted? Okay, so the governor's Christmas party, um, the, he does it. He just he has a theme to get together, and um, he posted this. And I was not able to make it. Um, the roads were just terrible, and I work remotely in Whitefish, so I wasn't able to make it. And the theme this year was, you know, your favorite Christmas movie. So whether it was like Christmas Story or Christmas Vacation, well, Christmas Vacation is totally my favorite. And so I was going to dress up as um, Cousin Eddie, you know, <laughs> and he's standing at the curb, yes. and he's in his robe, and he's emptying, you know, the RV, you know, pooper, and holding a beer and so I was like oh that's totally what I'm gonna dress up as and so I'm like sitting at home wasn't able to make it and then the governor posts a picture and it is 100% the governor is dressed up as Clark Griswold <laughs> and the lieutenant governor is dressed up as cousin Eddie in the no bathroom way. and so <laughs> I was like oh my god the lieutenant governor stole my outfit so in that case like I'm gonna vote for lieutenant governor Cooney he's gonna crush him anybody yeah. who's gonna dress up as cousin Eddie like I think just wins all the time I I think you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm here with my friend Rachel, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you guys who she is. Um, she has a pretty neat job. So Rachel, take it away. Yeah. Tell the thanks. folks who you are. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Rachel Vandevoort. I am the director of the Montana Governor's Office of Outdoor Recreation. I am a whitefish girl. Um, I'm, you know, multi-generation, like grew up in Montana, um, have been told that I'm embedded like a tick, which is true. I just (laughs) don't ever want to leave this state because I just love it so much. Um, and so, yeah, the governor, uh, created the office of outdoor recreation in Montana, um, um, around the time he was running for reelection. And so when he was reelected, he created the office and hired me. I have been in office for about a year and a half now. So, yeah. How's the adjustment been? It's it's wild. It's so cool. I so I came from private industry. I've worked in the outdoor recreation industry and in that space my entire career. Um hence I probably why I got the job, right? And um it ju- going from private industry to working, you know, in government, um in state government, you know, they're just they're very different. Yeah. And so, but it's such an amazing opportunity and, you know, chance for me to learn a lot really on that side of the spectrum. I come with lots of background and, and knowledge in private industry and, 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 you know, that space. So to have an opportunity to apply that and learn more about the public realm is really great. And and this is like the coolest space yeah. to learn about it, you know, is, you know, be hired by the governor, be appointed by the governor into a position. And it, um, it gives me the ability to really work with everyone on all sorts of cool projects. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. What, uh, so you have zero background before this in government? That would be correct. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was an intern for Fish, Wildlife, and Parks <laughs> Fisheries in college, so I don't think that counts. <laughs> no, but I think some of the best people in government are folks that 
haven't you know been entrenched in kind of the bureaucracy of it for too long because you bring this fresh perspective and you're willing to try new things and question well why are we doing this this makes sense that is a very and that's the attitude i've got on it um i'm just the girl that's not afraid to ask why um or why not i think that's an important question it's not just the why it's the why not um and that's really what the office of outdoor recreation i mean this is very new so to give you a little bit of background on offices of outdoor recreation yeah why that what do they do so um, over the years, we have all come to know intrinsically that outdoor recreation, um, the industry, the core industry itself, and I classify the industry as those that are manufacturing the gear and the goods, that are selling the gear and the goods, and all those, also those people that are selling the experiences, right? So those are guides and outfitters, right? Yeah. We all know that those people make, make money. Like, this is an industry. This yeah. is a segment of the U.S. economy just like everything else, but it's never been quantified as such. Um, all of those outdoor recreation industry um, businesses, you know, they do face the same struggles and the same challenges and, and the same wins as any other sector of the economy, but no one's really quantified them and no one's really um, understood them to be a unique segment. And so over the years, Outdoor Industry Association um, and others have gotten better at saying, hey, you know, there's consumer spending, there are wages and jobs, there is taxation as it relates to the outdoor recreation industry. And, you know, we, we need a voice, we need to start talking at the table, like everyone else and with everybody else. So there's been this shift to talking about outdoor recreation, not in the terms of us running around in the woods, having a lot of fun. I mean, that's where it all started, right? This industry grew out of us, hunting and fishing and hiking and doing all this. That's where the industry grew is us out enjoying, enjoying ourselves. Um, and so it's grown from that to, Hey, you know, we're 2.2% of the gross domestic product of the United States. That is very significant. That's impressive. You want to talk about Montana specifically 7.1 billion in consumer spending was the last calculation and 71,000 jobs. Well, 71,000 jobs is 10% of Montana's jobs are directly related to outdoor recreation. That's impressive. So it's, you know, it, it's something that we've all known, you know, it, it, it is important. It is a great, you know, contribution to our economy um, and outdoor recreation just in general. It's the, it's our way of life here. You look at any statewide comprehensive outdoor recreation plan survey related to how important do you think outdoor recreation is? And like, it's like in the nineties, People think, A, the recreation economy is vitally important to, you know, Montana's economy and that outdoor recreation is intrinsically and just implicitly important to their way of life, 90% and more. So, you know, we just all know that this is super important. So we're not the only state, right? A lot of these states in the West have, have, you know, started to realize that. And Utah was the first state to create an office of outdoor recreation. And the best way I can explain an office of outdoor recreation, and, you know, it's all new, it's all evolving. But um, historically, over the last 150 years, states have created things like Department of Agriculture. Well, Department of Agriculture, why was it created? Well, you know, every different agency within the state has something to do with regulation, participation, you know, agriculture. So, it's a, agriculture is a very important industry in Montana. And so you have a department of agriculture. Well, as other industries are growing up and, you know, and, and becoming, you know, economically diverse partners in the very important economy, outdoor recreation. So there's an office of outdoor recreation. So Utah was the first to create it. Then we had um, Colorado and Wyoming, or sorry, Colorado and uh, Washington. Montana was the fourth state to create the Office of Outdoor Recreation, really quickly followed by Wyoming. Well, just in my time, so I've been here for a year and a half, and Montana being the fourth state, um, we now have 10 states that have offices of outdoor recreation, and I just got notification um, this morning, actually, via email, um, that the new governor of uh, New Mexico is absolutely 100% on board with the legislative package that's passing oh, with an outdoor recreation. And she actually just gave a little competitive shout out to Montana in her article that she... <laughs> I <laughs> what did she a, say? It's a female, right? That she was, I'm sorry, I don't I, know the governor, but... I think so. I think so, yeah. yeah. She was just saying, watch out, Montana, move aside. We're taking over. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so anyway, so, you know, the Office of Outdoor Recreation, it looks a little bit different in every state. And I okay. should say that this is not a Western thing. This is a whole U.S. thing. So you've got um, Oregon, 
Washington, Montana, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, um, Michigan, Maine, Vermont. Um, I'm totally forgetting some of my buddies. Wyoming, did I mention Wyoming? So we got New Mexico, but this is like across the U.S. thing. You got Vermont, you got, you know, North Carolina. Um, so it's, it's an all over the U S thing and every state, you know, looks a little bit different. Um, because, and as it should, like, there's no cookie cutter for this. There's no template for this. And it's about doing what's right for your state at the time that you're there and everything changes and everything evolves. And and that's, what's great. There's no, this is a new creation. You know, when I came in, it was like, you know, create this, there's nothing to go off of could do this. Right. Which is I think amazing because you're able to just do, you know, okay, what does Montana need right now? And then you'll be able to understand what Montana needs in the future and just evolve with it. Um, And so in Montana, the governor asked, you know, he said, Hey, I want the office of outdoor recreation to be in charge of growing and enhancing the outdoor recreation economy. So that's a huge tent. That's a giant tent and, and a lot of players underneath that tent. And so just kind of breaking down how, how I define things, you know, you've got that, core outdoor recreation industry, which you talked about, the people who are making the goods and the gear and retailing those and the experience makers. And then you've got the peripheral economy that surrounds it, right? Um, if you look at Institute for Tourism Research um, out of University of Montana, talk about the top four expenditures by non-residents, right? So we talk about, you know, tourism as being the people that come and experience our core, you know, our core hunk of gold in tourism is our recreation opportunities. Right. Um, but the four largest expenditures by those guys is, you know, gas, hotel, food, and then guides and outfitters. Those are the four biggest expenditures um, by non-resident visitors. Uh, so, you know, talking about that core industry, you know, how, you know, how do we work with them and then looking at that broader economy. So all the peripheral businesses around it. Um, so I, you know, really have focused on, okay, kind of five key areas where I feel like it's really important to, you know, support um, that industry and the economy. So you have outdoor recreation, business um, support, and business recruitment. You know, what does that look like? Yeah. So business support is anything. So any sort of recreation-based um, business. So whether you're a manufacturer. So okay. I'm, you know, working with a couple of manufacturers in Missoula and Bozeman. Um, they're looking to grow their businesses. They're looking for, you know, unique investments opportunities for um, capital venture capital Um, they're looking for connectivity within the outdoor recreation industry on the on the whole whether it be trade shows associations support that thing you know that nature of thing so you know working with them on on things like that issues like that and then if you're a guide and outfitter um, guides and outfitters are you know regulated very heavily by the state there's new rules and regulations going in Um, there's situations in montana right now where they've got some new rules and and they've come to me saying hey you know we we think this is great we think this is not great how can you help us work within the different state agencies we're dealing with to talk about our business interests um you know this is like i said we're we're talking about these in a little different way i mean it's a great it's a balance between all of it right um but how do we help support and sustain those businesses that are you know utilizing our recreation assets and resources so working with those guys um, and then you know understanding you know if, if we've got this unique segment of the industry what are the unique things that, that that support this industry and by and large it is the infrastructure the unique infrastructure that supports this is you know when we're talking infrastructure, you know, we want to talk apples and apples, you know, with the rest of the country. Well, our unique infrastructure are the little roads that get to the campgrounds, that get to the trailheads, that get to trails and the habitat and view sheds, right? This is infrastructure that sustains and supports this entire segment of our economy. So, you know, when we're talking about infrastructure support, we're not just talking about building a bridge across a creek for a trail. We're talking about sustaining and maintaining habitat for wildlife um, and all of those things. So it's a, it's a, it's a, different switch man you gotta kind of rearrange your brain you know to understand it's not just a bunch of people out hugging squirrels right this is, <laughs> no no we're we care about this because it sustains a huge portion of our economy it's how we make our living so you know it, it's a it's a different connection and it's not replacing anything else we've talked you know for years and decades about the intrinsic value of of quality habitat and things of that nature we've talked for years about that but now we've got more vocabulary in our toolbox to talk about this we're talking about economic value and um, sure. so just being able to to speak in the way that everyone else speaks about it 
Um, so you talk about infrastructure development and access, those things, um, but also you talk about the stewardship and conservation of those assets. Um, somewhere along the lines, we decided to call the maintenance of our infrastructure conservation. <laughs> so, <laughs> and there's amazing organizations out there that are doing, you know, a lot of the heavy lifting and a lot of public-private partnership. And, you know, how do we further, um, you know, develop that as we go forward? How do we all get together and sustain, you know, what sustains us? Yeah. Um, and then additionally, we're, we're talking into we're talking economy so we have to talk about the education and technical workforce training you know how are we making sure that those industries core industry groups have what they need coming out of montana's educational systems um and how do we make sure there's technical workforce behind that and yeah. gearing up for any sort of whether it's natural resource jobs you know with fish wildlife and parks or the blm into manufacturing and, and making sure that we're trying to meet those needs through apprenticeships etc um and then, you know, a really strong connection, and this is where a lot of the national conversation is just this year, um, largely due to Colorado and their push. So um, it's the health and well-being of communities as it relates to outdoor recreation. Mm, and it's not just about your physical and mental, you know, health and well-being. It's about communities utilizing recreation assets to diversify their local, you know, communities. Um, and those are assets that draw in new employees, new residents, and businesses. And one of the top three uh, things that relocating industries, relocating businesses, people, entrepreneurs that are starting businesses, what they're looking for is way of life. Right. And they're looking for the outdoor recreation way of life. And that's something you can't fabricate. You can't do Disneyland that way, you know? And so Montana is one of those spaces that people are, you know, understanding and realizing, you know, whether they're a tech company, whether they're, you name it, if they look, if they locate themselves in Montana, their employees have a better way of life. They're more successful. They have better employee retention. And it just, it's this huge snowball effect. So looking at, you know, not just the connection between health care, really hardcore health care and health and all those good things, but healthy communities. So, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a big tent and, you know, just kind of looking at, you know, where can we grab some of those really important projects and work towards stuff. And, you know, I can help on advocacy and, you know, help with, you know, any stakeholder within the state can come to me, um, whether it's a recreation trail group saying, hey, we're really struggling. We want to start a, you know, a trail in our community. Um, great. How can I help you? Um, all the way up to industry. That's cool. So one thing that I hear folks say is we want progress and we want, you know, a healthy economy, but we don't want things to change. And I'm just curious, from your perspective, how, how do you balance those two things? Because one of the great things we have in Montana is we have wide open spaces. We have, uh, you know, untouched wilderness, all these things that have been here, quote unquote, forever. And there is the concern that if we grow too much too fast, that that could change. So how do you how do you help people balance those two competing desires? Yeah, absolutely. And are they competing? Maybe they're not competing. Um, they can be. But so here's my here's my cheer <laughs> the state um we're changing whether you want it or not change is coming um our population is going to grow yep the face of everything is going to change no one can stick their head in the sand like an ostrich yeah. i don't even know if they really <laughs> do that but i like the cartoons <laughs> um so we have the opportunity to take control of the situation right um and this is where we need to as communities as regions we need to make sure we identify who who are we, who am I, who are we as communities. And we need to start, you know, thinking about that. We need to start proactively planning. Because like I said, change is coming, whether you want it or not. So if we can join together in certain ways and, you know, help responsible growth, um, you know, like safeguarding those things that we, you know, treasure – that's what we need to do. And, and that's an opportunity, you know, as I work with other states to learn, you know, from the recreation perspective, right? Recreation opportunity, access, all of those assets. How can I work with other states to learn some best practices? States like Colorado, right? And the Front Range and yeah. all of their ongoing, you know, 
problems. You know, the number one thing that I hear from folks as I go around Montana, I don't, we don't want to be Colorado. I was like, no, we're not Colorado or Montana. So we need to do us. Right. Let's figure that out. And so how can we, you know, again, share best practices? Like what are your lessons learned as you grew Colorado, as you are growing, you know, Utah and as those population bubbles are coming in, you know, what are those steps that we as communities can take together to make sure that our recreation way of life is sustained, maintained as best we can. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head because that the the sentiment that we can keep things from changing is just not true. I mean, things are going to change. And what I love to see is a small community say, hey, we want to provide opportunities for our kids to come back here. And so how do we do that? And, and be proactive and, and take some ownership over that. Mm-hmm. I think it's really um, commendable and impressive. And a lot of it seems to be around public lands where they find those those ways to kind of grow their economy so how does public lands play into what you do with the outdoor recreation office well from a montana perspective it has a lot to do with what we've got going on even in eastern montana um we've still got ample opportunity for public lands right um public lands public well in in montana we have the gold standard in water access and our ability to water recreate yeah um i love it because whenever i'm traveling you know to different conventions etc they always ask me can you talk about water in montana i'm like love to because everybody's (laughs) jealous so our and, and those of us that are in the state that some people don't comprehend how good we have it all the work that was done by sportsmen in the past um, to make sure that we have great access to water recreation and opportunity. Um, yeah, it's, um, we just, so much of what we do relies on our public lands and our access to those and the health of our public lands. Um, and that's why, you know, one of the line items from the governor was make sure that I am working to, um, you know, protect uh, public land and water opportunities for all recreation you know, all recreationists in Montana. Um, and so, yeah, it's integrally important to it, but also, you know, we have amazing opportunities with public or I'm sorry, with private, um, recreation opportunities. So many amazing landowners in this state and working with our fish and wildlife agencies, um, to provide block management hunting opportunities. And so we, again, are crazy, like the, like envy of the West because, you know, we have up to anywhere from six to 8 million acres, depending on the year in, um, a private land available for responsible public use. And that's where, you know, as I work with other States, you know, Vermont, for example, when we, so all of us States, um, eight that existed at the time, we spent about nine months drafting what we call the confluence accords. Okay. And the confluence accords is basically just this really simple document that, identifies common goals and common priorities among the offices. And that helps us identify how we can work together and where we can work together and also where we can work on a national level together for the outdoor recreation economy and outdoor recreation. And so, you know, during that drafting process, um, you know, I just, you know, continually was just hearing public, public, public. And I said, you know what, you guys, like, it's just not acceptable in Montana. Public, um, our, our private landowners and our private partnerships are, exceptionally important and they are a key player and that was when Vermont right Vermont is doesn't have the public land that we do they do have some but they're small and they have a lot of private space that's where he stood up and was like absolutely I'm right there with you the majority of our recreation opportunity is actually on partnerships with private land and so you know again it's it's um as much as we might not think we have a lot in common we actually do and we can learn from each other um but in Montana public land I mean it just is the core of everything we do yeah so with, I'm glad you brought up block management. I think that is, you know, such an incredible program and we're really lucky here. Anytime I read about hunting in Montana, every once in a while, I'll just kind of do a quick Google search and see what people are saying. And block management comes up so often because it is a really unique thing to have that partnership between the, you know, the public recreationists and the private landowners. Um, I guess from a recreation standpoint, how do we foster more of that? How do we how do we continue to build those partnerships? Because I see that as a key um, a key thing that we need to really focus on. Because there's not going to be there's probably not going to be more public land. Public land tends to be shrinking more than it grows. So how do we make sure that we're um, fostering those relationships and doing the things we need to do so that our our friends and neighbors let us come you know on their places and boat and hike and hunt and whatever it might be yeah you know there's a lot of different 
There's a lot of different pieces yeah, big, to this question. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of like, where do I go first? Well, first and foremost, we citizens have to make sure that we are making sure our legislators and our officials are supporting Fish, Wildlife, and Parks in Montana. Fish, Wildlife, and Parks has amazing programs that enable them to work with these landowners to make sure that that public-private partnership and recreation on their land is smooth, does not have impact, only has positive benefits. And so there are all these tools in place. Um, I think that the more we can make sure that they have funding and they have the ability to use those tools, so whether it's Habitat Montana, like you name it, if, you know, we need to make sure that that, that they can do all they can do. Um you know, and, and finding new ways to use technology to our advantage, right? How can we make sure, you know, <clears throat> that, you know, um, you know, Onyx Maps does an amazing job of providing yeah. those public-private boundaries and making sure that people understand where ownership lines are and make sure that there's not problems with trespassing, that there's not problems with, um, you know, anything like that. So, um, you know, we, we've got a great system, obviously, Um like I said, we just have more than anybody in the state. So it's just making sure that we don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel. We got to make sure we're supporting what's going on. And, you know, a bigger conversation, too, is as so much of that stems from these landowners in Montana are just so many of them are multi-generational people who have had these farms and ranches in their family for years. And we all understand as Montanans that, you know, hunting and angling specific um whether it's big game birds you name it like there always has been this symbiotic relationship between huge landowners and people accessing their land for these reasons um and so you find long-term landowners really understanding that and just as long as it's managed well that's great but when we do have new people move into montana and buy up these you know multi-generational ranches for their own personal use um and they're not from here oftentimes they don't understand that dynamic um you know, they just come, their brains come from a very different space. And so how can we bridge that urban rural gap to help them understand that, no, you know, this is not something you need to be afraid of. This is something that's really great. It's good. And so how can we continue to help those people, you know, continue that legacy? That's a, that's a piece that is being addressed and and needs to continue to be addressed. Very cool. So, you touched a little bit on the economy benefits of outdoor recreation. What, I guess on a more individual level, why why should I, why should my neighbor Bob, why should we care about outdoor recreation? I mean, it's there, right? Like, it's always going to be there. It's always been there. No, it hasn't always been there. It okay, isn't always yeah, going to be there. <laughs> talk about it. So why, why, should, why should I care? Yeah, you know, um, gosh, you know, there's so many... We have it so good, and it's so easy for us to take um, take for granted. I realized at a very so, from my perspective, at a very early age, my dad was a guide. Okay. He was a fishing guide. He was a hunting guide. My whole he was a whitewater rafting guide, and so very I cool. was this little like blonde, like five and six year old. Like I would go with my dad, like to work and his job was guiding people and so i would like where was this at up in the flathead on the middle fork oh, and north man. fork of the flathead so i was this little river rat kid right growing up and so my, it was it was really ingrained in my brain i did not understand this until i was well into college maybe even after college understanding my perspective on things and how i had such a sense of place and i was I had no interest in moving away staying in montana was my number one priority but I was grown up and I was exposed to my father introducing people from all over the world to what we have here. And just a simple three-hour whitewater trip down a wild and scenic river changed people's perspective on life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much. Um, there are so many people that have never... Their, their idea of floating a river is going to an amusement park and doing the like you know, the fake <laughs> the, river ride, Thunder Mountain or whatever river ride, ride, right? Yeah. yeah. And so for, to have them experience, you know, even when I became a guide, I, I really knew right away, hey, everybody look beneath the boat. You know, there's no tracks. There's nothing pulling us along. We're just free floating down a river and your lives are in, my life is in your hands. I'm <laughs> right to paddle right now, which is terrifying. But um, 
So I was really able to understand. I didn't know what they came from. I didn't know what all those people came from or what they had or what opportunities they were exposed to. You know, so many of those, so many urban people have opportunities all around them, but they're never exposed or connected to them. But I just knew like, I don't know where they came from, but clearly I've got it awesome. And so to understand that perspective of everyone doesn't have this. Yeah. Everyone doesn't have opportunity to do this. We got it good. Um, and so when I, I started traveling very extensively, very early on in my career, um, with, I worked for a firearms manufacturer and was working, I worked in sales and then later in marketing and trade relations and really traveled the world. I had an opportunity to travel a lot. Um, not as much as anyone would love, but, (laughs) um, I had an opportunity to a see a lot, but then also be around a lot of people who are very, very worldly and literally have hunted on every continent or have gone to fish on every continent. And for them, they've got this amazing perspective of, Hey, the American experience in public land and our opportunity to recreate our opportunity to hunt whenever we want. This is an American, this is a very American thing. And there are a lot of places that do not have this opportunity. So to be able to have the perspective and understand that we cannot take it for granted, um, we've got to utilize, we've got to, you know, work on behalf of it is really important. And, you know, I, I think one of those things too that you learn and you need, people need to be connected to something in order for them to care about it. Right. And recreation, you know, like if you just take wildlife, right? Like I'm a hunter. I don't know any difference. And I always I mean I'm so passionate about wildlife and habitat and there are a lot of people out there that it just takes for them to go on a hike they care about wildlife and habitat too right so people don't have to be doing what we're doing but you know that's where like the public lands issues that's where you get just that's where you get the diverse all the people in the tent of outdoor recreation like really do they can come together and be like whoa you know we don't we might have a lot of common in these areas, but you elevate this to a 30,000 foot level and wow, we have a hundred percent in common and we have everything to gain and lose together. And so that's where I think this, this, uh, my office and other offices really do have the ability to like make your, let's all take a breath. Let's take a step back. Let's take it up to another level and understand what we all have in common and what we all can work on together. So that's, I think, and it's been a trend for years. It's, you know, these collaboratives that everyone working together on behalf of recreation. Um, and I just think it's getting stronger and stronger. Yeah. And, and you're 100% right. It won't always be here. Nope. And that's, that's been made very clear in the last couple of years as we've seen different public lands change and, you know, whether that's through climate change or through boundary lines being redrawn or hunting rights disappearing. I mean, access out- is a huge, scary, scary topic. Too. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, I think that maybe because of those are hunters are a small subset of the general population. And so the general population, sometimes when they see a hunter lose, you know, opportunities to hunt or, or access to an area, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but it's, you know, over time that stuff can add up and it'll start affecting everybody, whether it's a bird watcher or, you know, a, a trail based recreation, whatever it is. Um, I was having a conversation the other day with my brother-in-law we were talking about the national parks and he made a point, which you just echoed that when they were talking about the national parks, I think it was Gifford Pinchot talked about how, um, national parks should not be a preserve that no one can go into. They should be a place where people can go and become involved in the outdoors because if they are involved in the outdoors through recreation, they will care about it. And you just said that, um, which I'm, I'm really glad you hit on. One of the things that I'm concerned about is um, people call it nature deficit disorder. Uh, mm-hmm. the, yeah. Um, it, it seems like until recently, outdoor recreation has been kind of very male, um, middle-class male focused. How do we get more, how do we get other groups involved? How do we reach out and bring more people in? Because they want to be involved. They want to, you know, be hunters and anglers and backpackers. Um, But a lot of the marketing tends to be towards guys. So how do we change that trend? Yeah, I think it is slowly but surely shifting. Um, 
And that's a topic that everybody is, you know, is super focused on Outdoor Industry Association. They really are trying to talk about that. Um, They're looking at statistics of kids being in the outdoors and how it's going down. And, you know, whether it's, you know, Archery Trade Association, National Shooting Sports Foundation, you know, they're, they're doing all these studies and figuring out, like, where do people connect and how are they connecting and what are the best ways to reach people. And it's going to take more work. It's not easy. And yeah. it involves this amount of outreach like we have to be proactive and we have to reach out and you know it's like well how do we communicate with different groups how do we communicate to women how do we communicate to the latino community how do we communicate with other communities um go out and figure out how how i mean just go like we need to go ask and you know so much of it is um and and you see like baby steps toward it um you see people asking me hard questions. I don't know. There's, you know, the on gravel podcast with those folks in the, mm-hmm. and, um, the powder hook community and trying to, you know, build that virtual mentorship program and, you know, listening to them and they, they're asking questions all the time and no one has the answers, but you know, so much of it is just simply like, can we lead? Let's, let's have some people lead by example. Let's, Hey, if you like be out there, go out there and do that and reach out to the people who are doing it, help lift them up, help. It's about just showing like, look you know your community there there are women out there doing this and you can do this too and let's have an open honest conversation you know about like what's going on like you know the the um event that you held this fall you know talking yeah yeah and just offering up a space um for women to come in i'm a big proponent of hey we're all welcome just roll up your sleeves get in there but i understand that it's it can be intimidating for some people and provide a space, you know, for people to just ask questions and just, you know, say whatever is on their mind without feeling like they're, you know, insecure about what they're doing. Um, I think that there's great steps being made toward it. And, you know, the hunting and the shooting community, the concealed carry community, right? Like, you know, people are reaching out, like, I want to do this. And there's plenty of people to help. Um, It's, you know, for us, I mean, it's hard, right? Because we're talking about outdoor recreation and this is a very selfish thing. Yes. Right. Any <laughs> extra time I have or, you know, anybody, you know, you want to be out there doing it. You just want to go do it. Can we just not, you know, it's part of you just says, can we just not worry? Like if you want to do it, just come do it. But unfortunately we do all have to like take a, you know, like, all right, take a little bit of time out. Like how can we contribute? And, you know, for me, I decided to become a hunter's education instructor. Nice. Um, I've got two little boys. And so I'm doing my fair share of mentoring and teaching little little guys how to get out there in the woods but you know if I can you know help the hunters education program and be a female there and you know be a female role model and um you know have somebody for those girls to be like oh yeah totally she just rolls through it you know like just lead by example yeah there's a million different ways to go down it but I love that everybody's asking the question and you know if if and for those people that feel like they're not included but want to be included reach out and just communicate you need to communicate like hey this doesn't resonate with me in fact i find this offensive but if if i could just have a way to enter this way i mean just need to communicate communication yeah man yeah i think um it's just a shift in perspective because i definitely came at it and and i come at it a lot from hunting because that's probably 70 percent of my outdoor recreation is hunting um and I and when I thought about well I should start you know mentoring some folks and getting people involved the first thought I had was I just don't have time like you know September's so short I get to bow hunt you know maybe on the weekends so yeah I just I don't have the time and then I thought well why do I feel like I don't have the time is it because I'm afraid that bringing a new person along is going to limit my opportunity to harvest an animal yeah that's that's a big part of it. And then I started thinking about how many days I spend hunting where I don't get anything. It's 99% of the time you don't get anything. So what is one day with somebody where you don't get anything? Take one of those 99 days where you don't get something and take somebody with you. It's not the end of the world. And maybe some karma will come your way because you did something good and (laughs) you'll tag out that day. Who knows? Uh, uh, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of it is honestly just fear. Like people are afraid of the unknown, both from the mentor side and the mentee side. The mentor is afraid because they don't know what that experience is going to be like bringing a new person into the field. Is it going to mess up my experience? 
and the mentee is afraid of learning or, or looking silly or not knowing something. So I think if we both just kind of drop our ego a little bit and say, hey, we're both new at this, let's go figure this out together. And it's all it's all just kind of shifting your perspective on things. Well, and back on the selfish nature, too. I mean, it, there's a reason that there's just basketball coaches, right? right? There's a lot of net to be had. Like, yeah. shoot for the net, make it. It's awesome. To whereas, you know, the selfish part of us is like we, so many of us, you know, sportsmen who have been out here for a really long time or have been mentored and had, you know, somebody share stuff with you. I mean, it takes a long time. There's no like, it's not like you just go out one time and you know it all. You're constantly right. learning. Oh, it's yeah. a finite thing. Like you don't, like you said, 99% of the time you're not successful. And so it's like, oh my gosh, like you need all that time, you know, to, you know, it took me like tw- 10 years to find that honey hole to go fish. Right. Like, yeah. so I think the one thing that like a person that's looking to get into it, and oftentimes I, I openly will correct people like don't ever expect some, a mentor to take you and show you where everything is. They'll teach you how to do it, but there's this part of it. That's just like, you kind of got to go out and just experiment, you know, and even somebody that's like a hunter in Georgia that comes to Montana, like talk about two different worlds. I remember like a buddy when I worked at Kimber, he was like, Hey, like I'm going out, you know, hunting this year. I'm a resident now. I'm going to cut out. Where should I go? And I was like, looked at him I was like you're surrounded by three million acres of public land you can go anywhere you want for the most part yeah and he's like yeah but where I'm like do what the rest of us do you go drive you park and then you hike and maybe it works (laughs) maybe (laughs) Maybe it doesn't doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) um so there is that you know for for folks that are getting into it is you know make sure that everybody like lay out the expectations you know and it's it's not gonna be perfect it's not going to get it overnight. No, it's not. And the, the fun part is figuring it out. Honestly, the the f- most fun I have is researching the gear and having the conversations and asking the questions. And then all the hours, work, whether it's, you know, I want to summit this mountain on a backpacking trip. I want to, you know, learn how to fly fish. I want to, you know, be successful archery hunting. The successful moment is just a moment, but it's all the other stuff that, takes up a lot of the time that's that's the fun stuff so yeah definitely you know for new people enjoy the journey and outdoor recreation is a journey it's not a destination yeah so. i have people wanting to teach me how to like rock climb and stuff all the time and i was oh like, you should do it oh man i hate heights <laughs> i hate heights it's so bad i'm proud that i can ride a chairlift let's be honest <laughs> uh so i just got a couple more questions for you yeah um if you could tell you your younger self young rachel one thing what would you want her to know Ooh. as it pertains to what anything you get you get to tell your younger self one thing gosh i look back at you know i was doing it right um you, I made the right choice. I made the right, you're doing it right. There's always that kind of self-doubt sometimes when you're going through like, oh my gosh, for me, like when I was young, as it relates to outdoor recreation, I was five foot 10 in sixth grade. Oh, wow. So I, if you look at me right now, I, this is how tall I was in sixth grade. <laughs> I just, it wasn't, I wasn't, a, you know, in the junior high years, I was awkward, right? I'm like literally feet taller than some of my friends and it was just a super awkward time and junior high is just a miserable miserable time but that's when I started to fly fish and that's where I was just like ugh, I just peace out like I'm just gonna fish and that's where I made amazing friends I had opportunity to get out there was nothing awkward about it you know and so I really kind of just and I started shooting I was a competitive shooter and that is not something that people normally did it was really outside the realm and um I just really dove into those things and just owned it. Like it was no one's business. Like what other seventh or eighth grader has like three nights a week of tying flies with buddies. Right. And so, um, I, you know, I just really dove into those things that were positive for me and, you know, and made me feel good. And so I'm a super uh, good job. Like that's what that, that was character building and that was the right thing to do. And, you know, more than anything, I look back at, and everybody's like, wow, you had such a unique, you know, childhood. And like a lot of girls like didn't do that kind of stuff. And, you know, like, why would you do that kind of stuff? And it always was just like, why are you even asking me this question? The stupidest question ever, (laughs) you know, like what, like, but I realized that 
evidently there's people out there that are told they're not supposed to do something. Like I was never in my life said, well, you're not supposed to hunt or fish or you're not supposed to do that. I never like, why would you say that? Right. And so I'm like, are there some people that say, Oh, like that's not something, you know, that like you should be doing this. You should be like doing your hair and doing your makeup. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so I just laugh and I look back on it. I'm like, God, thank God I had such amazing grandparents and parents. And it was just like that. This is what we did. And absolutely. Like no one ever told me I I wasn't supposed to do that. So it makes me sad to think that there are people out there that, you know, maybe are told like, well, you, that's, you don't really fit in there. or That's not for you. Um, that's sad. So I'm glad that I made those like, just heck with it. I'm going to just fish. Just going to be me. Good for me. Good job. And I think that, yeah, that's a great message that we can tell kids and teenagers because most of them are doing, they're doing it right. They're doing it good. They're trying Mm -hmm. to be themselves and they just need that little bit of an attaboy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're doing good. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yep. On a total side note, I was this tall when I was in sixth grade as well. Did everybody ask you if you played basketball? Yeah. Well, I did play basketball. Oh, so see, they, I they, didn't. Yeah. I'm like, I can't even <laughs> dribble a ball. Like, I got nothing. I got nothing. So People did ask uh, in Little League. There was a big kerfluffle at the beginning of one Little League game um, because the other coach was demanding to see a birth certificate. <laughs> and what he, what he didn't... S- he should have just calmed down because if you'd actually seen me play, he would have been, oh, yeah, play that kid more. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was so bad at baseball. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what's the uh, what's a, a lesson you've learned from your life in the outdoors? Something that that's just really been changed the way you looked at the world or for, yeah. helped you form who you are? I think touching on it, um, I touched on it earlier. Um, that my oper- my rec- my my life in the outdoors and my recreation has helped me form such a sense of place. Mm. And you know, I think there was some college co- or course that I was taking one time, and they were talking about generations and how they're you know the different generations. There were there's a certain point where generations really lost their sense of place. They really had became they became you know kind of nomadic in a way it was just move where the job is move wherever like there was no real connection um to space and place and i feel bad for those people because i don't know where they lived because <laughs> in montana you know growing up and doing what i doing what i did and being out hunting and fishing and rafting and doing all of those things just made me so 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 passionate about this state and um so appreciative of what i have and what we all have mm. So I would say that that you know, it's recreation and, and connecting to space, I think, has been a huge part. I love it. And then last question for you. What's one action that everyone should take right now? For me, when when I think about this, what I tell everyone they should do is they should call their grandparents because if they're still alive, you don't know, you know how much long you're going to have to have those conversations and, and that connection with your your living ancestor. So that's, that's one thing that I would say to everyone. If you can talk to your grandparents, go talk to them now. Um, so what's something like that? What's something you would tell everybody they should go do? That's really nice. Um, (laughs) well, I guess because of the space that I am and I looked at taking, you know, I left a, an amazing unicorn esque career in the outdoor recreation industry, um, space. I, and everybody's like, wow, you know, but, I looked at, you know, having this very short, finite period of time that the governor's appointed me to this space. This is my opportunity to do something positive for the state, do something positive for my kids. And it's a it's a short period of time. It's not, you know, it. Um, I'm just here um, while Governor Bullock is here. So I and it's it's made me really realize and understand and see a lot that. I was never interested in government. I was just not, I was not like a politics wonk at any level. Did not find any satisfaction in following political anything. Um, public land issues did bring me into the space. It did come and connect my, my, my brain to, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. And that, you know, we need to remember how our system, how our political system works and how it impacts every single aspect of our life. Yeah. And so the one thing that I am asking of everybody is we all like I turned 40 this year. I am we're we're now my, my friends, my generation, we're now the middle agers (laughs) and it's our turn and we have to 
figure out what we're going to do. Like everybody needs to either participate in the political process on some level, find one topic that is important to you and you have to participate. And whether it's supporting or opposing, you've got to do something or take it to the next level and participate, like get in it, Mm. run for something, run for city council, run for a state position. Um, It's our turn and it's, it's time. And we all need to start participating on a much greater level and paying attention to what's going on. It is so much easier not to. Oh my God. I just, sometimes I'm just like, why am I not just living in a cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere? Right. Um, but that's my thing. That's my kind of soapbox that I get off (laughs) on tangents with people about is it's, it's not convenient. It's not comfortable sometimes. Um, but dang it, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be, you know, just this like, you know, intense political activist to just to participate in the process because this is how it works. That's it. Cool. Well, we are all very grateful that you got involved and that you're in the office of Outdoor Rec leading it. And oh, thanks. Yeah, for everything that you do for the state, I just want to say thank you and recognize you for because I know you do a lot that goes unnoticed. And I think uh, hopefully this podcast kind of opens people's eyes to what you're doing for them and for Recreation Montana. So I just want to say thank you and really appreciate you coming on. No, thank you. And everybody needs to know now Montana's got an office of outdoor recreation um, and it's going to be here. So just remember it's here, communicate, participate, and um, yeah, nothing but positive things for the state. It's amazing. So if people want to stay connected with the office of outdoor rec and with you, how do they do that? So, so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you just go to the governor, Governor Steve Bullock's webpage, okay. and um, under his different departments, um, the Office of Outdoor Recreation. You can find me right there. Um, nice. And you literally can just Google the Montana Governor's Office of Outdoor Recreation. It should take you right to my page. Just some really quick information there. There's a little video, um, and all my contact information is there. So I try and you know keep some information up to date there and um i'm an email and a phone call away to anyone in this state it's awesome social media anywhere oh yeah on social media i do (laughs) yeah totally instagram and facebook cool yep montana office about direct awesome cool thank you rachel really appreciate you coming on thanks